Hi, it's David Debbie here of the David Janovic Show on KSL News Radio. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and also catch our show live on KSL News Radio. Now, you don't need a keyword to listen to us, but if you want to win the AirPods, keyword Beehive. Good job, Dave. So text that keyword to 57500 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. And be sure to listen for a new keyword next week and every week this February for even more chances to win. Dave and Dejanovic, your morning companions for talk, analysis, and key perspectives on Utah's biggest stories on KSL News Radio. I'm going to take you back just about two years ago, and we're going to go over to the ballpark neighborhood in Salt Lake City. That's where the Salt Lake Bees have played for many years. Um, that area had a murder rate nine times higher than Salt Lake City as a whole. Um, in August, a 17-year-old seriously injured when a shooting happened on a Sunday morning. Uh, and the sounds of gunfire captured on that doorbell camera. Chilling. Chilling. Prostitution, uh, sex trafficking, property crimes, rampant. And my girl's like, the car's broken into. I'm like, what you mean? You know, so I come outside. I see both my windows just broken. They just broke the windows and didn't take anything. Residents were just felt lost on what they could do. I just have to trust, I get uh, trust in the leadership and the um, the, the knowledge and, and skills that the police have to help us keep keep employees safe. So the city of Salt Lake did something. I would say the most notorious convenience store in the area that was known to be a site of drug dealing throughout the valley that changed ownership due to the efforts of one of our most dedicated Salt Lake City police officers. That was Amy Hawkins. She spoke to us uh, just a short uh, couple of weeks ago about the transformation of her neighborhood. And we're going to get into more specifics in just a moment. But crime has gone down. The Salt Lake City Chief of Police, Mike Brown, um, said so very recently at a news conference. In the ballpark neighborhood, we saw a 32% decrease in violent crime in 2023. So when I heard this, these numbers, these are, these are big numbers. They're significant numbers. So my initial question was, uh, was it dumb luck? Because sometimes that just happens, right? It kind of ebbs and flows. It goes up and down. Deputy Chief Scott Morcus joins us right now from the Salt Lake Police Department. And uh, Deputy Chief, I wanted to know, okay, did you guys just flood the area with cops for six months, get the numbers down, or was this something more serious and sustainable? Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's great to be here talking with you guys. Um, as far as it go- comes to our strategy and crime reduction, it's not just about the ballpark area. This is a strategy that's taking a place across the entire city. Um, it's broken up by geographical divisions. And within this particular area of the city, which we call the Liberty Division, the ballpark area was an area that we decided to focus on specifically because of the concentration of crime in that area. Um, And it's not simply about just flooding the area with cops. Now, certainly increasing police presence in an area is always going to give you good dividends, uh, but it's much more than that. It's about being strategic, about identifying and addressing different crime patterns, as well as working with businesses and communities with different approaches. It, it's, it's, a, it's a wide-reaching, evidence-based approach that uh, we've put into place over the past two years and that we're seeing a lot of success with. What I am um, glad about is that this is actually, this story came to us by talking to people in the community, um, Deputy Chief Marcus, not, <laughs> the chief of police said what he said about crime reduction, but then we spoke you know, 
shortly thereafter with Amy Hawkins, um, who is, you know, she's a community member, often speaks out about problems in the neighborhood. And she called the show and she said this. We've noticed a palpable change. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for our Salt Lake City police officers. So here you have neighbors in that community thanking um, the Salt Lake PD for their actions. What steps did you take? And can you share the formula for other communities that might be dealing with crime? Sure. Um, and it's always great to hear that positive feedback. Um, you know, I mean, that's the whole reason we do this. We want less violence in particular communities. We want less crime in general. And if people are noticing that, then we're doing a good job. Um when it comes to the formula, if you will, we really took a step back and looked at the evidence base and worked with some outside criminologists who I have a lot of good connections with uh, through some other avenues um, and talked about this idea of what's in the criminal, criminology literature called the law of crime concentration. I don't care what city you go to in America, you're going to find approximately 5% of streets in any given city are going to account for 50% of the crime within that city. Back up and say that stat again. Wow. Rewind it. Tell us that again. Yeah, it's, it's called the law of crime concentration. And again, it doesn't matter what city you go to in America, you're going to find about about 5% of streets in any given city are, is going to account for 50% of the crime in that city. And this is something that every cop probably knows intrinsically. You, you know the trouble spots around your, your area. Yes. I, I think every good cop intuitively knows this, right? Um, areas that experience ongoing problems with crime are not new. They've been there for a while, right? Crime concentrates and it it tends to stay where it is. Um, The trick becomes for police departments, how do we use our finite resources to strategically approach and attack these areas where we know crime is concentrating and disproportionately accounting for um, crime within the overall city? We're speaking live with Deputy Chief of the Salt Lake City Police Department, uh, Sergeant Scott Morcus. Um, and uh, that area around the ballpark community um, specifically uh, was crime-ridden. There was a lot of problems with crime where the Salt Lake Bees uh, play baseball, and the neighbors have been very outspoken about it, and they've noticed um, a big change for the better. Um, so from there, once you identify um, through you know this literature, which is fascinating to me that this is one of the problem spots, where do you go from there to start addressing it if you're not just going to use like an old model of policing, which is just put a bunch of patrol cars on the streets every single night? Yeah, and it's a multi-pronged approach. You know, each of our patrol divisions has a captain over it. They're division captains. They have geographical responsibility for their area. Uh, the captain over this particular area is ultimately responsible for crime reduction in that area. And I meet every other week with the patrol captains to talk about what have we done in the past two weeks and what are we doing in the next two weeks. And that's a whole host of different approaches. Um, we have uh, some outstanding crime analysts that work for us as well as a, a data administrator, and they're constantly scanning uh, the city for different crime patterns. And when we see those pop up, uh, those get assigned to different watch commanders, which is a lieutenant level for us, and they are responsible for closing out that crime pattern, which means we do not want to see that same crime, whether it be car prowls, burglary, whatever, in that area for two weeks straight. And until that happens, you are still responsible for that crime pattern. And we've had a lot of success uh, approaching things in that way. When you're looking at these more concentrated areas, we're talking about doing dispatched patrols where we've identified areas where a lot of violent street crime is occurring, as, as well as what days and time of day that occurs. And we populate our CAD with dispatches for officers to go to that area 
and just be highly visible. So CAD is a computer-aided dispatch (laughs) system. A lot of people who um, aren't familiar with police terms won't know what that acronym stands for. And how is that... How does that play into this? You just, you just is like a computer system that you you just populate with this information all the time. Yeah, I mean, criminals and crime are like anything else in life. They they have patterns, right? There's patterns. You just have to sift through the data and identify them. And so these areas where crime are concentrating, identifying those areas first is the first problem, and then identifying when are these occurring, what days of the week, and what time. Ah. It, and it's pretty stable. Um, is it? It is. They're predictable. It, it is predictable. People are predictable. You just have to understand the patterns. And then we can f- we can put those times and dates into our dispatch system where our officers are then dispatched to those locations on those days and times. And they just have to be there with all of their lights on and be highly visible. That alone will deter crime. And we're talking about having violent crime in the focus area in the ballpark area. We're speaking with Deputy Chief Scott Morcus. Uh, after we saw a, a huge reduction over the last couple of years, and in fact, a, it was almost a 50% reduction in violent crime in the last couple of years, specifically in the ballpark neighborhood. That's where the bees play. Uh, this was really a hotbed uh, of criminality. And in the last couple of years, with some of these approaches that you've been describing, you've seen some really incredible results. When we come back, I want to ask how you get community buy-in. Because I know that is a, a crucial component of it uh, to get the the folks around this area to buy in to your vision and what you're trying to do there when we come back. Can we can also talk about this. Remember when Amy Hawkins joined the show from the community and said that there was a closure of a hotel and a closure of a problem well, business? Story, yeah. um, can we talk about the, the closures of these places that she told us were attracting a lot of crime and how the city did that? Hi, it's David Debbie here of the David Janovic Show on KSL News Radio. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and also catch our show live on KSL News Radio. Now, you don't need a keyword to listen to us, but if you want to win the AirPods, keyword Beehive. Good job, Dave. So text that keyword to 57500 and you'll be entered to win a pair of AirPod Pros. And be sure to listen for a new keyword next week and every week this February for even more chances to win. Dave and Janovic. We're speaking live in studio right now to the Salt Lake City Police Department about how they got a grip on crime in the ballpark neighborhood in Salt Lake City. Um, that's the area where the Salt Lake City Bees have played for years. Amy Hawkins, who is one of the community leaders in that area, has been so gracious with her time over the years here on the David Janovic Show to call us and give us updates. And a few weeks ago, when the chief of police, Dave, announced that there was a significant reduction in crime in her neighborhood. We fact-checked him, <laughs> and Amy called the show, and here's what she said. We've noticed a palpable change. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for our Salt Lake City police officers. And I think Amy has, has joined our show for years. We've talked to her several times, and she's also been very honest when things are not going well. So that's in part why it stood out to us. When she is praising and saying things were changing, things had have we feel like there's been buy-in from the police department and from the community. So, joining us right now is Deputy Chief of the Salt Lake Police Department, Scott Morcus, and uh, I, I do want to examine how do you get the buy-in from the community because a lot of times we'll hear the complaints, but. I know from the the policing angle, you've got to have buy-in from the community as well. How have you done that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And I really think there's two prongs here. You, you have organizational buy-in and you also have community buy-in. I think those things overlap, right? And as in any organization, there's always the good idea ferry, ferry going around, right? And we, we implement something new and two months later, it's just gone, right? Oh my goodness. And, Everybody's guilty of that. Right? Great point. And so implementing a strategy like this, part of it's first getting buy-in from the officers in the sense that you know, this, is, this has longevity, we're serious about this. This is the approach. This is what we're going to do. And a lot of that comes down to different accountability structures within our agency. And our, our Captain C- Captain Goodman over the Liberty Division has done an amazing job of you know really emphasizing that we are going to be doing these things in this area for the long term. And it's the same kind of thing with the community, right? Like they've exp- they experience the same thing. If you know the Good Idea Ferry comes along and we do something for a month or two months and then it goes away, you know it's hard to get by into that. But I think as we've shown that we're serious about this, we're serious about uh, being consistent and having longevity in this approach. I think that's gotten a lot of the buy-in as long as with the results that come along with it. And then again, Captain Goodman and her um, um, community liaison officer for the area really go out of their way to go out and talk face-to-face with business owners as well as different community members to really kind of explain what's going on and help in different circumstances. I, I want to talk about the business closures uh, that we learned about uh, that Amy Hawkins uh, told us about when she called in uh, because she said that was really helpful. And I want to find out how that was done in just a moment. But I, I want to talk specifics. What crimes uh, what, what crimes have been reduced in the, in the ballpark community? Yeah, so we're talking about two Two different areas, right? You have the overall ballpark community, okay. and then we have a specific area within the ballpark community that we've really been focusing our energy on. Um, when it comes to types of crime in the overall ballpark, uh, the overall ballpark community for 2023 compared to 2022, we're talking about a 32 percent reduction in violent crime. And for violent crime, we're talking about homicide. Aggravated assaults like shootings, stabbings, robberies, robberies. And somebody rapes. comes up to you with a weapon yes. and forcefully takes something from you. This is the super, super scary stuff. Absolutely. But what most likely is going to affect the general public is the property crimes. I mean, to me, those are the kinds of crimes that you come out of your your home and your windows are all smashed in, or you know, your yard has been vandalized, uh, your home has been burglarized while you're away at work. Have there been a reduction in those kinds of crimes too? So for the overall ballpark community, we saw a small uptick in that for last year. But in the area that we've really been concentrating on, we saw a 17% reduction. Okay. So again, it's about using- really hyper-focus. Yes. It's it's really about using the finite resources to concentrate in the areas where we see the most concentration of crime. We cannot be everywhere at once. So where do we get the most bang for our buck? And that's what this is about. And violent crimes is obviously at the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, property crime affects more yeah. people in most cities. But violent crime is far worse. But we, we really try to focus on physical harm, so those violent sure. crimes are going to get more Well, attention. you have a lot of people coming to that area, and likely still will, if the A's end up in South Jordan for a few seasons, and you've got um, people still showing up at Smith's Ballpark to walk... Uh, watch the bees play the a's and the bees isn't that weird okay the bees play near downtown salt lake city so you're still going to have people coming and people have complained about the crime in that area when they go visit and so they're a little nervous about bringing their kids down there so a reduction in violent crime is especially is especially important a reduction in property crime where you don't come out and have your tires slashed that's important too so one of our listeners texted in on our text line um deputy chief markets and asked when you reduce crime in the ballpark area, does crime just uh, scatter to other areas? We hear that a lot. Does that happen? That, that's a great question. Um, in the in, 
in the crime science literature, we, we refer to that as displacement, displacement of crime. And I actually have a hard time even convincing some officers that this doesn't occur in the sense that it's a nuanced result. What we find in the literature, as well as what we've seen here locally, because this is something we've measured along the way, because it's something to be concerned about, is is you do see evidence of some displacement, but it's not a one-for-one displacement, right? So it's not as if, let's say, you're going to have 10 crimes here in this one area, and we're moving all 10 crimes to another area. We see some displacement in the sense that, well, now it's only seven crimes that have moved to the other area rather than the 10. So you're still seeing an overall reduction, even though you do tend to get some displacement, but it's not a one-for-one. What I've noticed, too, in the years of covering the Salt Lake City Police Department response times, crimes, and crime trends is, for example, I remember I think this guy was out stealing catalytic converters years ago. It, it, it may have been cars. I, he was stealing something of importance to people. Um, and when you arrest him and you focus on an area and are able to drill down on the one suspect, and maybe he has a few tentacles, he's got a few people working under him, once you take those people off the streets, and it just seems to really reduce all the crimes because you've you've – you taking the head off the snake, so to speak, and you put him in jail, or you take send him back to prison because he was on parole. Yeah, th- this concept of crime concentration just isn't about locations; it's also about people. Yeah, right. There is a small amount of people that are responsible for a disproportionate amount of the crime in any community, and so again, using intelligence analysis, we try to focus in on those individuals that are the most problematic. Because if you do, are if you are able to get them into jail and ostensibly keep them in jail, then yeah, that can have an effect on crime as well. Okay. Specifically, as we were talking about the ballpark, a couple things that were mentioned was uh, either it was a change of ownership on a convenience store or closing of a hotel. What what was addressed uh, in, in this and how does that impact? Yeah. And again, I, I'm going to have to point to uh, Captain Goodman over this particular area and her a division community liaison officer, Detective Fallows, they work very closely face-to-face with business owners as well as the property owners of this, these businesses or these specific locations that are being rented out. Um, if we have a problem tenant or we have- Lots uh, of crime that's attracted because of them? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, they property owners have rights as far as who gets to use their yeah. property. And most property owners don't want people committing crime on their property. So we try really hard to work with property owners to get them to voluntarily do something about their uh, tenants if they're committing crime. Uh, There are also ordinances that we can use to address it from that angle. It doesn't have to necessarily be an arrest. If we can remove the problem without making an arrest, that's just as good in the sense that the crime is no longer occurring. I'm going to be honest. You convinced me it wasn't dumb luck. It sounds like you guys had a plan, you executed it, and it has been very successful. And is it, uh, you can repeat it in other areas as well? You're confident about that? We have been repeating the same process uh, in every division of our uh, city and seeing very similar success. And these, again, these are evidence based strategies that we have known about for 50 plus years in policing. Yes. It's just about putting it into a system where an agency can um, use their resources to attack it in a strategic way. Well, we appreciate you taking the time. Deputy Chief Scott Morkis from the Salt Lake Police Department. Uh, best of luck. Stay safe. Yeah, thank you. Keep, keep working hard out there. It sounds like uh, what you're doing is working. Members in the ballpark area of Salt Lake City are certainly noticing it. And now you need to 
Also, you got to clone Captain Goodman, apparently. (laughs) We heard a lot about Captain Goodman. Can we meet Captain Goodman? All right, we're going to meet Captain Goodman soon. Um, Next, um, Heather Kelly in studio with us. She just dropped a new podcast episode this morning. I listened to it. It's all about our mindset impacting our personal spending habits and our relationship with money. The belief that we have enough can change our behavior. Oh, She convinced me she's going to join us next. Let's see if she can convince you too.